Now, speaking of basketball tournaments, we're now joined by a man who uh, was um, was known to, to be a first team, and I think he was even an SWC tournament MVP one year, if I remember correctly. It is Michael, Mr. Quick Williams, joining the Matt Mosley Show. Michael, greetings from uh, from Kansas City. How are you guys doing? Is it cold ever? Because, you know, right now here in Texas, it, it dropped down to 32 degrees. Yeah, they probably shut down all our schools back home, Michael. The, uh, <laughs> the, the people from Kansas City freak out a little bit, too. I found out the other day, two days ago, snow was hitting, many school closures. But, uh, yeah, got, Kansas City got dumped on, and it ended up being uh, really pretty here, though. Snow, and yeah. if you've got a bunch of snow on the ground – being in a, a warm gymnasium is a great place to be. And, uh, Michael, what I've had to do today is, with Baylor losing last night, is I've had to focus now on the Baylor women. So I'll be, uh, I'll be, I'll, I'll kind of jump on that bandwagon for the rest of this tournament. Michael, did you get to see any of that, uh, that Baylor game, yeah. uh, last yeah. night? Yeah. And, and what was your thought? What were your thoughts about it? Well, as we all know, when you get to the NCAA, you got to have really strong guard play, um, and you got the two young young kids. And I pray that those guys come back. Um, the two freshmen, Jeremy and Kendall. Um, yeah. Because it's just really, you know, we're going to lose Matthew, and I, he has the NBA game altogether. I've been watching him, and uh, I think he's going to do well um, as long as he, you know, stay hungry when he gets to that next level. Um, but when you get into the guard play, I think it's going to help, and, and, and it's all about matchup. When we pull that matchup, I saw a couple of those games this year, and I was going, man, it's going to be a tough one. Um, and then, you know, I, I felt that we had some added pressure because you have to kind of at least get to the championship game, possibly against Kansas, in order to be a number one seed. But uh, sometimes losing at the right time is, uh, is the best. Unfortunately, when you look at the um, what has happened in the Big 12, we hadn't won one yet. We hadn't won a Big 12 tournament yet, but uh, we'll get there. Yeah, and um, we've been waiting for a lot of years, but I, I think <laughs> I guess once you win a national title, Michael, you know, it's like some of these other things we wanted to do don't seem as big anymore, you know? It's kind of like um, yeah. I remember getting to see you at that parade and everything, and that was so fun. Oh, those, are, too, yeah. those are great memories, but you do get greedy, and now I, I think once you win it, you're thinking, okay, can we defend it? And, uh, uh, Michael, the fact that uh, it looks like Baylor might be able to play in the Metroplex, um, you remember when Baylor, it had been a long time since Baylor had been to the NCAA tournament. And you and Daryl Middleton got uh, got the Bears and uh, I guess that was Gene Iba uh, mm-hmm. to the uh, to to you know the NCAA tournament. But you, as you remember, playing against Memphis. I mean, it's it is such a huge advantage when you can play close to home and in front oh, of your wow. fans. Uh, and uh, I, I I would say if Baylor can play in Fort Worth, don't you think that would be a great way to start the tournament? Well, put it this way. Baylor plays in Fort Worth. I'm coming on your show in person because that's what it's about. You want to play close to your home. And I don't know if you guys – and we lost to Duke. We lost to Duke in Houston. Um, and I think A&M lost. Uh, and uh, going, it was in the final eight. But playing in front of your hometown – 
Fort Worth is even better than Houston, I think it's going to give us a great advantage in that first round. Yeah, I'm with you. I was at that game in Houston, and they and there was a really bad uh, charge call on Quincy Acy, and uh, the Bears. Uh, if not for that call, Bears could have been in the Final Four, but uh, the they obviously four. broke through last year. Michael, what um, uh, y'all had a couple opportunities, and I remember y'all played against SMU in the championship, the old SWC tournament. As I recall, I mean, sometimes, of course, people have to play four straight days, at least three straight days, depending on how the thing's set up. Do, mm-hmm. But you always really seem to enjoy those tournaments. As a guard, uh, what was it about, like, that atmosphere and the uh, in, in the in having to play every day that you really thrived in? Why did that – was it almost like – did you did you almost kind of think back like to some of those high school tournaments you were in? Why why were yeah. you why did you uh, flourish so much with that? Well, great question. Um, I think it's two things. Once you get going, I've always uh, genius always tell me get your other players involved, and then you then you can always get yours at the end. And I think that's the way those tournaments went. If you look at both of those years, because we lost to A and M. Uh, my junior, and then SMU my senior year. Um, the first couple of games, maybe against Tech or against uh, Houston in the first rounds, I played okay, and then the second round you get a little better. And then when you get into the championship, because you get into a rhythm. And that's the way the NCAA tournament is going to go for these guards. And and, uh, and and you look at what happened with Mitchell last year. No one projected him to be actually, I think he went the first or second point guard taken in the draft. But going into that tournament, everybody was saying, yeah, he's going to get drafted, but not that high. So you can have yeah. stars that come out of the NCAA if someone gets the, get, get into that rhythm and confidence, and all of a sudden those baskets are beginning to be as big as they. I remember we lost to SMU, and they called my name out as MVP, and I'm going, well, we lost the game. <laughs> and, you know, you know, it was kind of bittersweet. I remember I had a, you mm-hmm. know, I was showing my wife because my wife and my kids can't believe I was 40, no, I'm sorry, 50 pounds lighter. But, um, uh, you know, you're sitting there with your head over your, the towel over your head because you lost and you're going, well, I was MVP. So the reality of it is it's an opportunity for, for players to really get their name out there. But everything is built on matchup, who you're going to play and what you just said a few minutes ago geographical location in front of your own family. Yeah, talking talking to uh, Michael, Mr. Quick Williams, uh, uh, former Baylor star on the Matt Mosley show, ESPN Central mm-hmm. Texas, that some of those games still come flooding back to me. I know you remember them well, too. One of those games that you all used to get to the final, I believe they're, to, they're at the Reunion Arena, was against Arkansas, as I recall. Oh, I remember that. And, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, and you, y'all beat them uh, like eighty seventy eight or eighty two seventy eight. I mean, it was a it was a high scoring affair. And I remember, you know, y'all had some great role players. You and Daryl did most of the heavy lifting as far as scoring. But I, I think about Frank. I think about uh, Mclemore. Yeah, Frank Williams, Robert Mclemore. I mean, those guys were uh, man. Those guys were you know they just knew their role. And, 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 I mean, it, it might have been that Arkansas game. I think Frank had some kind of huge block or something down the stretch. Yeah. You know, 
that I, that might have been like Andrew Lang or somebody you are playing mm-hmm. against. But that was uh, people that don't that didn't go to that tournament. Uh, Michael, they don't they don't know like what the Hogs were like. I mean, no. beating Arkansas in that tournament was almost like going to Barnhill and beating them. Oh, it was you know Arkansas. I mean, uh, Andrew and I actually got drafted that year and really built a great relationship because we were from the Southwest Conference and uh, we spent a short stint of time in Phoenix together. And and I remember playing against him uh, in high school. And Andrew, you know, great athlete, great leaping ability, and he was intimidating because he could block shot quick feet. And when Frank blocked that shot, you know, it changed the whole game. So it's going to come down to that, uh, especially in, in the tournament. And, uh, yeah, I, I've, I've been saying this for years, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell Coach Drew to, to I'm blue in the face. Um, he's the best, if not the top two or three uh, coaches in the nation. And when we first got him years ago, and I used to tell people in the Fast Break Club, I said, guys, we got to keep this guy. We got to keep him. And we've been blessed to have somebody with that kind of talent in coaching. I just watched the way he coached. Everybody has an opportunity when, when you're coaching with Coach Drew to be special, and he's going to give you that opportunity, and we got to take advantage of it. Do you ever, do you ever daydream about, like, you see how these guards are able to play with so much freedom, oh, no, 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 what, no, what it would have no, been like no. to play for him? Uh, put it this way. People weren't going pro early. I probably would have left early. <laughs> like <I said. laughs> you know, G, G used to always say, we're going to pass it eight times. It's like eight times? <laughs> eight times before we shoot it. And uh, when I got drafted by the Pistons, I remember we were in rookie camp, and the, the assistant coach used to say, I didn't know you were that fast. I didn't know you were that quick. I'm going, yes, I've been that quick. So y'all walked it up. So, you know, you, 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 Coach Drew, he's going to give you an opportunity to really display your talent. And all you got to do is be ready to go because he's going to call on you. And, and for, for whatever position that's out there, because the way he coached, he coached a, a more open and flowing offense. So everybody has an opportunity to touch the ball. You know, you you played pretty early in your career, as I recall. And then uh, there was a guy, like, did Michael Hobbs ever play with you? Oh um, yeah, Michael Hobbs. I remember, uh, you know, yeah, great. He played athlete. pretty early. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he, uh, he came in. I think he started when he was a sophomore. Whether, mm-hmm. you know, my junior year, we had, uh, we had uh, um, uh, Mark Buchanan who could knock it down from anywhere. I mean, you know, in, in the day's game, Mark Buchanan would probably average twenty-five points a game because he was a great shooter. Um, you know, just the game changed over the last, you know, five or six years because of De- uh, Stephen Curry, uh, because he could shoot it from, from the born yard, and all these kids are trying to do it. But, yeah, the game has changed a lot, and as long as we have strong guard play, uh, we're going to be fine. Boy, that's an interesting name, Mark Buchanan. I, I wish I could remember one of those tournament games or something. He got it going. and oh, yeah. Um, and and you're right. He had uh, he looked like just some fraternity guy, you know, that might have been a KOT or something. And uh, and that guy could he could he could he could start lighting it up. What what uh, 
I always like to imagine that in talking to Michael, Mr. Quick Williams, uh, uh, former Baylor star, uh, he's in the Baylor Hall of Fame. How often over the years do you and Daryl talk? Because I guess Daryl went over and played overseas kind of while you were in the NBA. Did y'all, uh, like in my mind, I've sort of always hoped y'all remained buddies, but I, I did y'all, have y'all stayed in touch over the years? You, you know, that's a great question. You know, he and I started talking through, you know, now with technology it, where it is today, we started talking through an app, so it didn't cost either one of us any money. So it was really good to, to really just see where people's families are, where they are. And I remember we had our 25-year reunion, and Daryl came in, and everybody was looking at him going, man, he looks sick, man. He's pretty thin. And we just yeah. realized we all was 40 years overweight. He's the one that looked in shape. But uh, <laughs> he is, he, yeah, you know, he's taking care of himself. And um, he ended up marrying overseas, which is, um, and, and he has a, and he's and he developed a family. And he's doing yeah. well over there. I think he ended up playing 16, 17 years. <laughs> it's a long time. Yeah, I mean, and you you played in the the NBA. It seemed like about a decade, but you had a you had a nice run. I, I think Thank about you. you sometimes when I see some of these teams that uh, struggle with free throw shooting. I mean, I, I I'm curious did did that did were, did that even go back to when you were at Carter and and uh, coming up in the Metroplex? Where was free throw shooting always like one of your like huge strengths, or is that something? you had to kind of, you know, continue to work at over the years? Well, that that is a great, great question. Uh, you know, when I came, if you look, I, I shot, you know, 82, 83% from the free throw line my first couple of years at Baylor. And when Gene Iver came in, you know, I was really a scorer, not really a shooter. Man, I said, Mike, I want you to take a jump shot. And my elbow was over to the right side of my body. But he wanted me to square my body. But I've been scoring so much and shooting that way where my body was turned at a, at a left angle. So my elbow was straight. And But when he turned my body, he said, I want you to shoot your free throws that way. And if you look at my stats, my junior senior, I shot 66 and 69% from the free throw line. But I want to thank, <laughs> yeah, I want to thank Reggie Miller and Randy Whitman because when I went to Indiana, they used to play a game called – seven where you had to make the basket but it couldn't touch the rim so they would be you know uh fielding the ball for each other and one the other would be on the rim saying oh no that would touch the rim i'm going wait a minute you made it he said no 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 it can't touch the rim i'm going y'all going to seven so they would sit there and make about 30 free throws in a row but they would only have seven which one could do the seven so i said hey can i play with you guys i said no way you can play with us and I started implementing that in my individual practices. So I would have a ball boy and say, okay, you can't test the rim. So when I broke the uh, record in 1992, you know, Calvin Murphy's record was 78 in a row. But at that yeah. time, I tell people all the time, I actually broke the record in 1989. And they said, well, 18, 1989? I said, yeah, that's when I started practicing the right way. I started shooting the right way. And I start challenging myself. And then, you know, when you go making 97 free throws in a row, it's probably about four or five of them that should have been missing. And I got a little lucky. So 
That's how, that's how it happens. <laughs> you know, most of these records get broken, but that one has, has you know, stood the test of time. 97 consecutive free throws. When it got way up there, would would people before games or whatever oh. remind you, or were people like not even try to bring it up around you? I, I got I made fifty in a row, and I remember a reporter came up to, because the Timberwolves record was thirty six or so in a row, and I got up to thirty six. I got up to thirty six, and we were playing against uh, my buddy Spud Webb in Sacramento, and I you know the night before I told him I was going to give it to him. And I ended up making 16 out of 16. And I had 52 or 53 in a row. And somebody said, after the game, he said, well, you know you can go after the record. I said, what record? The Calvin Murphy's record. What is that? He said, 78 in a row. And all of a sudden, stress level goes up. I can't sleep. You know, you start thinking about it. And and as I got to 16 in a row, Mark Price, who's a great shooter, a lot better shooter than me, but Mark Price ends up getting up to 77 and missed 78. I'm like, oh, my God. So I would tell people, do not talk to me. I don't want to talk about it. People calling me all the time. And at that time, we didn't have as many teams in the league as we have now. And we had played in Denver, and I went 9 for 16 and 5 for 10. i never get this. And because those seats were blue and yellow, so you the rim would get lost in the seats. So you couldn't see it behind the glass backboard. And Doug West, it was a it was a technical foul. I was walking up there, and Doug West said, no, 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 no. I got it because, you know, everybody was knowing I was going after the record. And I said, no, 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 I'm going to go knock it down. And when I made that free throw, I knew I was going to break the record. Oh, yeah. That's so, interesting. Yeah. So that, kind of like a mind – that, yeah, that, right. that helped get get over the get over the hump in a certain in a, in a way. Wow, that is uh, mm-hmm. that that is uh, that's a remarkable record. And the truth is, I bet you could walk right out there today, and uh, and still make it. You know, I thought about I you. You've had a very success. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you uh, uh, the the Mavericks had a free throw coach. Some of these pl- these NBA teams have you know designated free throw shooting coaches and uh did you know you've had a very successful career in business did you did you ever give any thought to to coaching uh when you got out or did you know you wanted to to you know uh be in the business world uh well it was two things that was happening say i i was up for the also team against gary paid and i was playing really well and i ended up having to be looking at my stats in my career I ended up having nerve damage in my left foot. So for two or three of the years, I was basically sitting behind the bench. And it gave me an opportunity to watch things that was going on around. And I used to always tell the athletes, while you're playing, you know, you know you're know, you not African-American, you're not white. In the case of Nahara, you're not Indian. You are the starting point guard or the two guard. So why not take advantage? So I started working at different companies while I was playing. And I got exposed to the construction industry. And I remember telling my wife, I said, I'm going to give this whole entrepreneurial thing, but I'm going to keep my relationships in the league. And, and Isaiah Thomas offered me a coaching job. The Timberwolves uh, offered me a management position along with TV. Uh, but I said I want to really give my community something that they can look at and say they can emulate outside of 
you know, sports and entertainment. And that's when I started 3i. Um, and, you know, we were the first African-American-owned company to build a new school in Dallas Independent School District history. We partnered to build a Cowboy Stadium. Um, uh, we, we just came off of renovating terminals E&B at DFW Airport. And, and you're going to love this, this part of our, our, our transition as an organization. About 10 years ago, I stood up in my, one of my management meetings, and I put my left hand behind my back. And I acted as if somebody threw me an imaginary basketball, and and I acted as if I was shooting. Everybody was looking at me like I was crazy. I said, "That's what I had to do," and I had to make ten free throws. I mean, I had to make ten shots in a row from the dotted line when I played for the Detroit Pistons before I could even start practice. And they were looking at me. I said, and then I took a step back to the free throw line, and here you go. Five or six years later, I broke the free throw record. So I was really challenging my management to start doing it the right way early in our progression as an organization. And, uh, you know, over the years, uh, we've been lucky and blessed, and uh, we're going to continue to move forward. Well, it's a great story, and uh, I've had the pleasure of seeing you out and some some Thank of you. those uh, golf tournaments and and all that kind of stuff and and uh, well I'll take you up on it. Uh, we'll have to we'll, we'll we'll connect if the Bears get rolling in the in the Metroplex and uh, uh, I uh, I'm telling you it was uh, it's uh, always fun to catch up with you and I you know Thank when you, I man. think of these these tournaments and SWC tournaments and all <laughs> I think of uh, I think of Mr. Quick so I had to I give you a call that. and. You know, Jim Haller always brings you up. Boy, he he's a he's a huge fan, as you know. And Coach Haller still looks the same. The man has not aged over the years, so I guess that's clean I living. Tell him he's a vampire. Uh, I tell but, him he's a vampire. <laughs> yeah, what a what a character he was. He he always calls it. He said, "Mo," I said, "Can you come on, Jim?" He said, "Well, I'm I'm up here doing some old folks skiing, and so he'll be up at you know Vell or wherever." Uh, but uh, yeah, Jim is one of the great characters, and uh, and and I know you had the pleasure of being recruited by him back in the day. But uh, Michael, yeah. have a have a great one, and look forward to seeing you soon. Likewise, safe travels back, guys. You bet, you bet. There he goes, Michael Williams, uh, former NBA great, former Baylor Bear great, and uh, was on some of those really good teams in the late '80s for Baylor. 